when you're injured and you're coming back from um, some sort of injury, it is normal to have setbacks and that the normal healing process is never going to be linear. So I will start with that and know that it is a little bit normal to have some setbacks and then, you know, jump forward. And that is a normal healing process. Are you constantly worried about getting injured or you don't know how to get faster as a runner and you want to continue to run for stress relief? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Healthy Runner, the only place that provides you with training tips, injury recovery, and prevention tools with actionable strategies by experts in the running industry so you can develop a stronger running body and feel confident that you can overcome any obstacle as a runner. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty, avid runner, running physical therapist and coach, educator, founder of Spark Healthy Runner, where we help dedicated runners get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running with the perfect online running coach, even if you've been told to stop running with an injury or you think coaching is just for fast runners. Learn more about our signature coaching program at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com. Every week on the show, we coach you to grow as a runner, just like the process of building a strong, durable home that will last a lifetime requiring little maintenance. The design and planning is your mindset. The foundation is your strength training. The framing is your run plan. The electrical and plumbing is your nutrition. The insulation, drywall, and flooring is your recovery. The landscaping and exterior is your race strategy. If you master the six parts of growing as a runner, your running will be strong and last long, hitting PRs well into your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Every week, we help a runner just like you build their dream home. I'm your host, Dr. Dwayne Scotty. Welcome to the Healthy Runner Podcast. Before we get into this episode, if you are recovering from an injury and you want to make sure you are maximizing your nutrition to become a healthy runner, you'll want to check out Heal from the Amino Company. Later on in this episode, I will tell you more about Heal and how it can help you with your injuries and overall recovery. Or you can check out the research yourself at aminoco.com slash healthy runner. Most runners spend an enormous amount of time not running for one reason. They keep getting injured. Now imagine if you could have the structure of exactly what exercises, how much to run, and what you should be eating to get faster as a runner. Spark off your winter running with a four-month strong body transformation. This is one-on-one individualized healthy runner coaching to grow a stronger, injury-free body so you can run for stress relief all winter long. What will you get by the end of the 16 weeks? A strong running body so you can actually feel confident, healthy, and running faster this spring even if you don't think you're a fast runner. Oh, and did I mention this will also take away your worry of getting injured. Spots are limited, so apply using the link in the show notes before they run away. Are you eager to hit the road again after undergoing ACL surgery? Imagine the satisfaction of returning to your favorite sport or activity pain-free and stronger than ever. It's not going to be easy, but with dedication and the right approach, you can fully recover. You'll be running again in no time. 
That is what we're talking about today, rebuilding your stride and conquering the run after ACL surgery. Welcome to episode 204 on the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. Today, I am excited. I get to chat with a running PT colleague of mine, Dr. Katherine Campbell, or better known as Run With Cat. Welcome to the show, Cat. Hi, Dwayne. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I am so excited to have you on the show. Um, this is going to be super informative for everyone. For those that don't know, Dr. Katherine Campbell is a physical therapist that specializes in working with runners. She is a certified run coach, personal trainer, and podcast host of the Run With Cat show. Cat strives to make a difference in runners' lives by helping them do what they love for as long as healthy as possible. And Kat believes in utilizing an individualized and holistic approach when working with runners. She is also passionate about sharing her love for running to inspire others to feel confident to take on new challenges. And in this episode, we will delve into the challenges faced during the recovery phase and offer valuable insights and tips to help you regain your running form after ACL surgery. So join us as we explore different training techniques, exercises, and strategies to gradually strengthen your knee, improve flexibility, and optimize your running performance. Kat is going to share a step-by-step -step process designed to help you get back on track safely and efficiently. Through this episode, you will gain a comprehensive understanding of post-ACL surgery rehabilitation, including the importance of proper warm-ups, cool-downs, tailored exercises, targeting specific muscle groups, and advice on gradually increasing your running intensity. We'll cover common mistakes to avoid, provide pointers for managing discomfort, and share inspiring recovery stories from individuals who've triumphed over this injury. So whether you're a seasoned runner, eager to resume your routine, or a newbie with dreams of participating in marathons, this episode is essentially going to be your ultimate guide to conquering the run after ACL surgery. Don't let fear hold you back. Start your journey towards regaining your running stride today. And as I always like to start out with a little dynamic warm-up, cat, you know how we do this. Um, where do you call home? And give us a little bit of backstory on how you've gotten to this point in your career journey. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I remember when I was in school and I was really interested in the running space and the PT world. And I used to listen to this podcast all the time. So it's truly a full circle moment to, to be on it now. Um, but yeah, I'm so I'm Kat Campbell, and I live in North Jersey. I grew up here in my whole life, went to school at Sacred Heart University for my undergrad in uh, my bachelor's in exercise science, and then got my doctorate of physical therapy there, and then um, graduated, came back to New Jersey, and now I work at a at a network clinic in North Jersey called Blue Iron Physio, where I specialize in working with runners. So I see about, I would say about 85% of my caseload are runners. And then um, on the side, I also run coach. And like you said, have uh, my podcast as well, The Run With Cat Show. So I really started getting into the running world or running space when I started to run. I, I've been running since um, freshman year of high school. 
So a little bit uh, about how I started running. My dad had a heart attack when I was a freshman in high school. And so at the time, you know, when something like that happens, doctors are always like, okay, you got to be healthier. You got to be more cardiovascularly fit. And so everyone joined the gym as an effort to support the family. And I started running there because the first thing you think of when trying to get more aerobically fit is running. Um, So I used to run on the treadmill all the time and just do it really before I would lift and really fell in love with it. And, you know, everyone always thinks that in high school I ran uh, track or cross country or like did soccer because I like running so much, but never did it. All of my high school, I never ran um, through, I guess, like a structured team. I always thought I was too slow, actually. So I just kept running um, at the gym or outside by myself just because I knew that that's how I enjoyed it. I like putting on some music and and really just having that time for myself. And I thought that running with a structured team or being constantly reminded I wasn't fast enough would have took away the love for running for me. So I've always loved running from a really young age. And, you know, when I was in high school, I dealt with injuries myself, like small things like runner's knee. And I have been um, in the space where I go and see a PT and was told just to stop running or just do the bike. And so that's kind of really where the interest of going into PT and utilizing movement as medicine as the, the first place um, that I started thinking about it. So then I, when I was in school, I had to figure out where I was going to have my clinical rotations. And I remember listening to a list uh, of this Excel document that uh, the head of the program was talking about all the opportunities that you can have for different places. And there's this one place in the city and she said, you know, this might be really interesting if you are someone who is into running. Uh, this clinic sees all runners, like 99% of their caseload there are runners. They specialize in working with runners and it's in New York City. So I'm right outside New York City. It was about, I remember like plugging it into my GPS and it was like a 30 minute commute by bus. So I ended up going there for my last clinical rotation. And then when I graduated, I found Um, my boss who is awesome and he helped me build the whole running space in Blue Iron Physio. Um, So we're really niching down or I'm niching down and trying to build up the running space there, but work majority with runners there now. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You definitely have uh, fast tracked your trajectory and really finding like your people, right? Um, you know, it only took me like 15 years into my PT journey before I did kind of niche down and, you know, find my community in uh, the running space to exclusively work with runners. But yeah, you have definitely accomplished a lot in a little bit of time. And we got to give a shout out since you went to school in Connecticut to the Sacred Heart Pioneers, my buddy Jay Grimes uh, over there, professor. Um you know, even though you're kind of our rival with our Quinnipiac Bobcats, but you know, we no disrespect to the pioneers. We love our shoe grads um, over there, and yeah, it's it's kind of you know great to have connected with you, honestly. Um, since I did kind of know you as a student, and you know, we've messaged back and forth, and I've had the pleasure of going on your podcast and. Um, I, I knew that I wanted to bring you on here today uh, to talk about an area that we haven't talked about um, on this podcast yet. And 
that is kind of this ACL surgery. Um, so I'm super excited for this conversation. And um, you kind of shared um, a little bit of like what got you into running and um, which, yeah, that, that's definitely remarkable. Honestly, like the whole family kind of, um, you know, came together and was like, okay, what are we going to do to be like more physically fit? Um, but as you've kind of evolved, it sounds like you started kind of running for general health fitness. And as you've gotten into it a little bit more, um, you know, why do you run today? And, and what has that looked like? Like, have you done any races? Do you enjoy doing races? Yeah. So I guess that whole part of um, the running, the running I do today has changed post COVID. I would say that was the turning point with um, in terms of pushing myself and trying to go for PRs. Um, So during COVID, you know, like I said, for all of high school and I guess undergrad, a lot of the running I did was on the treadmill. And I know most runners hate that, but that's all I really knew because that's what I started with. So I didn't really mind it. And again, like I loved just putting on my headphones and listening to music. So as long as I had music, I was okay. Um, so, <clears throat> so yeah, eventually during COVID, obviously no one can, like I didn't have a treadmill at home. So there was no way for me to run unless I was running outside. And that's when I started to run outside and really appreciate being outside and, and just, you know, getting fresh air and, Around that time, I remember it actually, I think I might have signed up for my first half right before everything started to shut down. But I remember I was at school and I was, you know, living in a house with my friends. And when my my, my one friend was saying that she was going to be doing the indie half and just talking about that experience of her first half. And I said, I've always wanted to do one, but I just never did. And somehow, you know, the conversation, she was able to persuade me and say, like, if I can do it, you can definitely do it. And so... I, I'm the type of person, like once I register for something, that's it. Like I'm committed to it. So that during that conversation, I said, you know, I'm just going to sign up for this one half. And I did. And um, then, you know, everything shut down. I started running more outside and I did my first half, which was the Fairfield half. Um, okay. And, I've done yeah. that half before. Yeah, that one was tough. Everyone was yeah, telling me it wasn't that course. hilly. And I it was very hilly. So that was a tough one for the the first one. And, you know, as a, as a newbie in the running space, like d- did the certain things wrong and went out way too fast, totally changed my breakfast that morning of and had a bagel <laughs> when I never had a bagel before. So oh. that was fun. Um, but, you know, after that first one, you, you think like, OK, I could have definitely done that better and really started to get into more of the performance aspect of it because... You know, I played basketball as a in high school and I have always loved pushing my body and just seeing the things that it can do. But I always had the misconception that I was slow. And so that's why I just never did. And I also didn't know the difference between like you can be a like a faster long distance runner and that could be your kind of you're good at that, but maybe not necessarily a sprinter. And so Um, around that time, I just realized like I can push myself within my boundaries and I don't care if I'm going to be the fastest person or not going to be the fastest person, but I know that I can kind of push and, and, and be better than, than the person I was yesterday. And so that's when I really fell in uh, love with long distance running and starting to get into the more of the half marathon space. I did after I graduated school, I applied for the New York city marathon. So last year, not 
like two weeks ago, but last year was my first marathon, which was the New York City Marathon. And now I've just been doing a bunch of half marathons since and, you know, apply for a couple lotteries here and there, see which ones I get into, let the universe decide, but really hooked on the uh, long distance racing now. Yeah, well, you definitely didn't pick the right year to run the New York City Marathon. (laughs) It was the hottest year ever in its history. Yeah, in 2022. Oh my God. It's going to always go down as like that will be the thing what it's remembered for. And um, yeah, I always say like I have some unfinished business with New York City because I, I actually, for my first marathon, it went great. Like, I had fun. I didn't cramp. I wasn't puking like some people were, but um, I definitely didn't run the pace I wanted to. And I was okay of with course. that as my first race. But uh, yeah, I got some unfinished business with that race, especially with all the hills. So you mentioned lotteries. Which ones did you put in for? Yeah. So I'm waiting on Chicago. All right. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you heard about it. I put in for that one as well. So oh, I just talked to like, so many people uh, in the last week or two. That they're like they put in. I'm like that'd be so cool if we ran it together. Like that'd be awesome if you and I were in it together. Uh, so yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully the stars align. What other ones did you put in for? So I didn't put in. I'm gonna put in for New York if I don't get into Chicago. Okay. That's the goal. But it's funny because I last this past year I really wanted to do Chicago. I put in for the lottery. I didn't get it, and every single person that I convinced to get into the lottery got in of course oh, okay that's the way it works so oh um, okay so you put in last year too. i put in last year I didn't so did get i in. and i didn't get in so yeah. we okay, have to get in this year better okay we have to get in now right, right? yeah <laughs> everyone I, I knew was getting in and it was just me who didn't and so i really wanted to run this year and um I was really concerned because everyone ran this past year. So I didn't know if I was going to know anyone who would apply again next year. But now the more I'm talking to people, it sounds like a good amount of people applied. So hopefully we get lucky this year. Yeah. Oh, man, that'd be amazing. I know there are many of you out there who tuned into today's episode and you're battling frustrating injuries that just won't go away. Hey, trust me, I've been there. I had proximal hamstring tendinopathy when I first started running, which was literally a pain in the butt. And I do what I do today to share how I learned how to get over running injuries and how to train properly to prevent them. One product I consistently recommend to the athletes I work with and who are recovering from an injury, whether it's Achilles, hamstring, or posterior tibial tendon pain, plantar fasciitis, or iliotibial band syndrome is heal from the amino company. The reason I do this is because an often neglected aspect of injury recovery and becoming a lifelong injury-free healthy runner is the nutritional component. So for injuries to properly heal and to allow the body to recover faster, you must supply your body with the nutrients it needs to accelerate muscle repair while helping maintain a healthy inflammatory response. And that is what the Amino Company's product Heal does better than any other product I have seen on the market as a physical therapist who works with a lot of runners struggling with reoccurring injuries. I want to share with you the results of a recent clinical trial in a way you can understand Participants basically had less muscle breakdown and faster muscle repair using heel when compared to high quality whey protein. If you're looking for a nutritional advantage while recovering from that stubborn injury of yours and even recovering from your daily training if you are a healthy runner, I highly recommend giving heel a try. I recommend it to all the athletes that I work with coming back from injury, doing a run 
return to run program or if they're struggling to recover after hard workout sessions. Since you're a part of our Healthy Runner community, you can get a special 30% off using the code HEALTHYRUNNER. Just head to amino.com forward slash healthy runner. You have to use the special link I put in the show notes to get your 30% off using code healthy runner. Go ahead and take action to set your body up with the optimal environment to recover and get out of that injury cycle. Now let's get back into this episode. Yeah, so let's get into this ACL topic. And one of the things I want to ask you first is because I used to get this a lot when I was treating a lot of ACL patients. And um, I think everyone who goes through this major surgery really uh, wants to know, like, is it possible to be like 100% after ACL surgery? I think it's 100% absolutely possible, but I think there's a lot of variables that people have to consider and really have to be smart about their rehab process from the very beginning, right? So I think first and foremost, obviously, the f- I think the one of the most important things that you have to choose is who's going to do your rehab with you. And so really doing the research on your end as an athlete to make sure that you go to somewhere that understands you as an athlete, understands your goals and understands and cares about making sure you get back to what it is that your sport is. So like I know we're talking about return to running. And so some people, their sport may be running. But regardless, if you think about really most sports, it requires running. So even if we're just talking about someone who is maybe a soccer player, they still need to run. And that's going to be the first place they start as they start that progression. Um, so I think that's the first place to really think about what what you need to do as an athlete. So I think it's possible. You just need to make sure that the person who's helping you with your rehab really um, pushes you in the way that you need to and is really smart about their their steps and how you progress through that rehab. I think you bring up a great point because a lot of people, I think, do their research and due diligence on who's going to be the surgeon that does the surgery right? And you kind of worry about like, what graft am I going to choose? And, you know, what, what surgeon am I going to choose? And, you know, who are they affiliated with? And they've done X number of surgeries. But I think your point is like, well, taking that it's really the post-op rehab, honestly, that probably dictates outcomes more than anything. So I love that you brought up, um, you know, who is going to provide that rehab. And if I could even just like, piggyback off of that. One thing that I found super helpful in my career was having that consistent care and continuity of care and making sure you're not just picking the chain PT clinic um, or hospital-based clinic that every time you go in there, you see a different physical therapist, right? And have that like consistent continuity of care that they understand you as an athlete and they have the experience to you know, really meet you where you're at and, you know, get you back to whatever your athletic goals are. So I think that's a huge, huge um, point. And it is good to know that for those that are listening and they're wondering, like, it is possible to get back to 100%, but it does depend upon this kind of aftercare. So let's kind of segue almost into that, right? So we've had the surgery um, and 
you know, you're, you're kind of already starting to get the wheels turning. Maybe you're feeling pretty good after surgery and you're like, you know, I want to run like, so like, or maybe you're thinking about it already. Maybe you are a runner and that is your primary, right? Like form of exercise. And, you know, you want to know like how soon can you run after surgery? Yeah, that's a good question. And you'll be proud of me. Um, very PT school answer, but or every PT says this, but it depends. <laughs> um, but it's true, right? Because like, for example, um, I have someone who is coming back. She's in the later stage of late, later stages of her ACL rehab, right? And she's doing great. Um, but then there's people that sometimes come to us in the middle of uh maybe going somewhere where they didn't do as much research or didn't challenge them as enough. And they might run a little later than when she started running because they, they weren't really prepared. Um, so I would say, okay, for a short answer, it can take somewhere between three to six months to start running. And by running, I mean jogging and like progressing really slowly with a run walk. But really what you need to know is the criteria to be able to run. It's not the time frame that is the criteria. So it's not like, oh, you hit three months and then you're going to go and start running. It's more what does their strength look like and where are they in their rehab to make sure that they can safely run, right? So the, the aspect of at least three months is how long it takes for the graft to heal. So obviously we want to make sure that if you're getting an ACL, a graft, that it's, it's healed. Um, but then we have to look at a bunch of other factors to make sure that their body is, is at the point where it's strong enough to handle the loads that running demands. And I think we'll talk a little bit more about what some of that criteria is, but that's really what should be the guiding factor to whether or not you're prepared to run. And if you are not going to a PT place that is using that as the guiding factor, then that might be a little bit of a red flag. And that might be the time that you realize that maybe you should do a little bit more research and find someone who um, does do that, because that's going to be one of the biggest things to ensure you're doing it safely. Yeah. Okay. So what I heard there is that really three months, not before 12 weeks or three months um, is like the minimum time period that you should even consider a return to run. So I think that's an important point that those need to consider because there are going to be a lot of people who are feeling really, really good at six, eight, 10 weeks after ACL surgery, swelling goes down, um, you get rid of your crutches, you start walking normally. And the next place your mind goes is like, well, I'm walking now, like, why not try running? Um, so I think that 12 week mark is certainly the minimum, um, no matter how good you feel. Um, so I, I think that's a really important point um, for those to consider. And I know most of the people who are listening to this probably had someone they know had an ACL surgery or they're going to have ACL surgery or they themselves had ACL surgery. So they probably know what the word graft means, but we should probably define that just in case like we have any of our casual listeners who are like, yeah, let me check out this episode. And if you're here right now, <laughs> we'll just uh, clarify a graft is essentially is the new ACL. It's the new tissue. Um, it's the new ligament. So it, it can either be the uh, patellar tendon that most surgeons use or the hamstring tendon. Those are the two most common. 
And I guess, you know, from your clinical experience, you know, which of those two have you seen um, nowadays that are most common? Are, are you seeing like a 50-50 or is one more common than the other around in the Jersey area where you're seeing clients? I would say I'm seeing more hamstring. I'm not sure what, what did you used to see more of? Yeah. So it, it's weird because these things like go in waves, right? Like the bone patellar tendon bone was always kind of like the initial gold standard when I first got out of school 21 years ago. And then the hamstring was kind of invented and that was like the new and upcoming thing. And it was like all the rage. And I started seeing, especially the younger surgeons doing the hamstring tendon grafts. And then I would say, you know, toward the end of my in-person clinical practice, I started seeing more bone patellar tendon bone. And um, so it's it's always kind of interesting to see. And I think it definitely matters on like regions of the country and surgeon groups um, or where they were trained. Um, But I'm always curious to kind of find out that answer. Um, But yeah, it is interesting to see that you're you're seeing a little bit more hamstring um, tendons. So yeah, for sure. No, I agree. I think that I will say um, where I am with my clinic, where I am in the clinic too, <clears throat> because I am at a network, um, I would say I do see probably less than like what typical PT places will see post-op. A lot of the times I will see like I have a couple people who maybe I'll see like right after the surgery, but I also do see them a little bit later on in their rehab because a lot of times people will just try and get the range of motion first and really go for the frequency of the um, typical PT place because the first thing you want to do is get that range of motion and that swelling down. Um, So I will say that too. Yeah. And I know before you mentioned like there are certain criteria or like benchmarks um, that you want to make sure somebody hits before they do start um, running. So what are the criteria for running um, after ACL surgery? Yeah. So I think the first place to start is just explaining a little bit more of like what that rehab process looks like after an ACL surgery. So like I just said beforehand, the first and foremost thing that you're going to do right after an ACL um, reconstruction is that you're going to want to prioritize the range of motion and get the swelling down. So after you get the range of motion down, the next stage we really want to enter is that strength and neuromuscular control stage. Um, and that's when we're going to start building that strength. That's when we're going to doing be doing a little bit more of the single leg focus. Um, and so after that stage, there are some criteria to do before moving into that third one, which is more of that running and agility stage. So Um, I'm going to start with this stage and some of the criteria there because um, I was looking into some of the ACL guidelines that are some of the best practice now. And I think it's really important to highlight these because a lot of this stuff that I'm going to say is stuff that I give and do as an eval just before working with majority of my runners, right? So um, being able to do this as any runner, whether you are someone who maybe had an ACL reconstruction recently, had one in the past, or you're just a runner who's interested in this type of stuff, it'll benefit everyone. And so to move over or to move through that strength and neuromuscular control phase, there's a couple of things that we want to do, right? We want to make sure with all of these things, depending on what it is, it's somewhere between 85% to 90% 
a similarity between your right and left side. So whatever side that was that you had the reconstruction, it should be 85 to 90 percent uh, similar in strength on the other side. Um, and so some of those things are a single leg bridge, um, being able to do several reps of a single leg bridge and do it correctly. A lot of times people don't do it correctly or don't feel in the right places. Uh, single leg calf raise which we just know already calf strength is one of the best things for performance and for injury prevention with running. A uh, single uh, side bridge or um, a side plank. So same thing there. We want to make sure that's within 85 to 90% compared to the other side. Single leg squat. Um, balance and checking your dynamic balance. Single leg um, press as well. So some of those things are, again, things that I give or make sure I, I test both regular runners or people who are trying to progress into that next stage of um, their ACL rehab. So when all of that stuff was is above 85% and we've moved on to that next stage, that's when I'll start looking into what does their control of their quad look like in single leg stance when we try and do it a little bit more um, powerful or through jumping? So things there I might do are something called a depth drop. I don't know if anyone has heard of a depth drop before, but you're like on a box and you basically drop down quickly and land. And you can either do that, land in like a, a squat, a mini squat, or you can do that in single leg stance, so like a single leg squat as well. So that's one of the first things I'll do with some of these uh, patients that I have and see like what is their ability to control their quad um, with one leg. So for their knee bending, are they able to control their knee bending and do that in a way that is um, very gradual and or are they stiff? Like, is their knee just locked out and they're just keeping their knee extended the entire time? Um, so we'll do that. I'll do a, uh, a drop jump as well. So like they're just standing and then drop into that mini squat or that single leg squat as well. Um, and those are the two things I want to start working on as well as um, we'll do single leg hop. We'll do a triple hop. So the single leg hop is someone jumping as far as they possibly can with one leg. And what does that look like? Left first, right side. Is it similar? And then a triple hop, it's the same thing, but they jump three times. Um, so some of those things are the things I look for to make sure that they're able to run safely. Uh, the one thing I will say based off of experience and just honestly, people coming up to me, like I have conversations with friends and family and the one thing I often hear with people who have ACL reconstructions and are like 10 years out and that I see is like they'll come back and start getting into running like that might be a new thing for them. Um, and they'll start getting into running and they'll, they'll say like, I don't know, like every time I run my knee hurts. And one thing I've found is these people um, didn't go through enough of a uh, progression when they were in their rehab where they slowly controlled that knee from bending. So when you run, 
uh, I'm going to try and be as simple as possible with this, but when you run um, your quadriceps muscle, that front thigh muscle is eccentrically contracting, which means that the muscle is slowly length- lengthening and slowly controlling your knee into what's called knee flexion or that knee bend. So it's controlling basically you from you standing on one leg as you land and avoiding you buckling and falling to the ground. Um, and one thing that I see with a lot of people when we don't work through some of this really controlled lowering in that eccentric quad is that they don't bend their right knee and left knee the same amount. So they'll actually become more stiff in their leg and they'll end up bending, you know, normally on their unsurgical side. And then the other side will be really stiff so they don't get as, as much knee flexion. And so some of these things that I'm talking about here in that later stage of making sure they're allowed to start running is their ability to control into knee flexion and avoid buckling. Because if they can't control that, then they'll either A, buckle and fall. But most of the time, the other thing that happens is the alternative, which they get really stiff and avoid their knee from bending, which then 10 years down the road, they start getting into running and they say they have knee pain and they can't figure out why. That was a long-winded answer, but... (laughs) No, you were dropping knowledge there. So hopefully everyone everyone followed that. And that is, it, it's a great point that you mentioned because on this, you know, show, you know, I've, I've talked countless times about um, the importance of calf strength and because it is the muscle that is most active percentage-wise out of any of our leg muscles when we run. So it's super important. So you're kind of reiterating that specifically for running. So I, I really like that. And we talk a lot about hip strength and um, preventing the common running related injuries, whether it's runner's knee, IT band syndrome, um, posterior tibial tendinopathy, sometimes Achilles, sometimes plantar fasciitis. Um, but we usually don't focus a whole lot on the quads. But as you're alluding to, for someone after ACL surgery, that is the main thing almost that you really need to focus on and is is kind of one of these big criteria in order to be able to get back into running safely. And it is the main kind of what we call impairment after ACL surgery because the knee swells up and you have a lot of pain and the quads just go to shutdown mode. They go super sleepy, right? They're like amnesic, right? You don't, everyone's heard of like glute amnesia for like any, you know, running specific thing, like the quads go to like total shutdown mode. So it is so important um, to make sure that you wake those quads up and then strengthen them, like you said, and really using that criteria of 85 to 90%. And I love the functional testing that you do with your clients and not only measuring their quad strength, let's say, you know, on the table or in in, um, kind of a kicking position, let's say, if they're sitting or if they're lying down or if they're on their stomach, um, but you're really seeing, can that muscle function as it does when we run? And can we control the bending of the knee without them buckling, right? Where their leg gives out on them. Um, and watching for, I love that you mentioned, watching for that hyperextension. They're too stiff in their knee because their body's compensating because of the weakness of the quads. Um, so I love that you're kind of taking the movements and really using like a movement assessment essentially 
to look at the function of the quads. And yeah, those are all super important. And I would agree that it's even more important than saying, okay, I'm 12 weeks after surgery. Here's my protocol. It says I'm supposed to start running now, or I'm 16 weeks after surgery. I'm allowed to run. Or you know what? Look, this pro athlete that I just saw on SportsCenter the other day started running three months after their surgery. So if he can do it, I can do it, right? Or she can do it, I can do it. Um, So I like that there's the specific criteria. And for those that are listening to this now and you're working with PT, right? Um, They should be taking you through this criteria. And whoever is guiding your post-op rehab um, should be going through these tests with you to make sure that um, you are meeting those kind of benchmarks or milestones, as we call them. And let's say we don't hit some of those milestones or um, maybe we start running. Um, You know, what are some of the like most common setbacks that you've seen um, with those kind of getting back into running after ACL surgery? Yeah, I will say, and I I guess we'll preface, preface this with, Um, Within a rehab this long and especially ACL reconstruction, be aware if you are about to go through that or you are in the early stages of that, that when you are injured and you're coming back from um, some sort of injury, it is normal to have setbacks and that the normal healing process is never going to be linear. So I will start with that and know that it is a little bit normal to have some setbacks and then, you know, jump forward. And that is a normal healing process. Um, I would say the biggest one that I have is when they, the athletes do too much too soon, get really comfortable, especially when you're in the running stage, you start to feel like a little bit more normal that they do too much too soon that something else starts to bother them. Um, so I've had people who will say like, oh, like now my patellar tendon's bothering me, now my hamstring's bothering me. And so I would say the biggest setback is feeling things in other parts of the body and really knowing where intensity, duration, frequency of how much you're running and doing all your other activities as you slowly start to get back to 100% is and making sure that you're doing that appropriately. Yeah. So the, the physical setbacks, it sounds like of having another kind of injury, so to speak, we'll put in air quotes here, um, whether it is patellar tendinopathy or like patellofemoral pain syndrome, runner's knee, um, like getting pain in the front of the kneecap. And even those I know with hamstring graft too, could start to have some like hamstring pain. I hope you are enjoying this episode and it is providing value for you. I wanted to take a brief moment to share a story of a real runner like you who is struggling with a common problem that you may be facing. Here is one of our athletes who got the guidance, support, and accountability from our Healthy Runner coaching team to get clarity and structure on the six steps to growing as a runner with personalized strength, nutrition, and run plans. I hope their story inspires you that there is hope to either get over your running injury or to continue getting faster or running longer so you can continue to get in those mental clearing miles and enjoy your running journey again. Here is their inspiring story. So my name is Rachel and I started working with Dwayne and the 
Healthy Spark Runner team back in February. And we started working together because I was having a nagging knee pain that was not going away no matter how many times I tried to take rests or do rehab on my own. No matter what I did, when I started increasing my miles again, that knee pain would come back. I also was having a hard time doing any strength training on my own because I also like to rock climb. So trying to find time to do all the training for running and all my rock climbing and training for climbing was really difficult for me. The last draw was when I started noticing I was getting plantar fasciitis and was waking up with foot pain. So I figured that Dwayne would be the perfect person to go to after finding him on his podcast. So we worked together for four months and even in just one month of working with Dwayne, my knee pain was almost completely resolved um, and is completely resolved now after the four months. Um, his plan completely suited what I needed for my lifestyle. So he planned everything out based on like my work schedule, my climbing schedule. He even incorporated my vacations that I was going on to make sure that I could really adhere to the plan with the understanding that we could be flexible if we needed to and change things as time went on. Um, but following his strength protocols and doing all of the exercises he gave me immediately um, put me out of pain. And since then I have been training for the Hartford Marathon and I'm planning on doing um, the Pemiwasset Loop in New Hampshire, which is just over 30 miles in a few weeks. And I'm completely pain-free and I totally owe that to the Spark Healthy Runner team. And I cannot stress enough how wonderful an experience I had and how perfect they were to work with. Um, even I'm working with their nutritionist as well, and she gives great tips so that you're not kind of in the dark with that. So I always, always recommend Dwayne and his team to everyone. I hope sharing that story inspired you and provided you some hope. If you want the one-on-one -on -one structure, accountability, and support from our Healthy Runner coaching team of experts, check out the behind-the-scenes video tour of our signature coaching program you just heard about, including other stories from runners who are just like you and were struggling with the same sticking points before they signed up for our program. Just head to learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com to learn more and book your strategy call with me today. Now let's get back into this episode. Besides the physical, do you ever see any other setbacks besides physical setbacks? I, I definitely will say there's like a mental component to this, right? Because I think the most common, I don't know the exact number, but I think the most common people that we see ACL reconstructions in are kids. Um, and so there are a lot of times I have patients who are concerned about taking that year off and not being able to improve that when they feel like they come back, they're going to be behind. I mean, if we're talking about runners, just period, right, like the ability to use that time to get faster and try and um, make sure you're as competitive with your peers is lost. Um, being able not to just run, period, if you're doing it for enjoyment and you're, you are older and you did tear your ACL, um, not being able to do that and losing that experience is really hard for people, especially when we have um, 
as runners such an identity component to being a runner. So there definitely is a mental aspect. And, you know, I always like to recommend to my patients to see some sort of sports psychologist. I think it's really important because, um, again, no matter if we are runners or we are doing another sport that involves running, there is a big identity component to our sport. And so being able to um, losing that ability to be able to do the thing we love and that we identify as can be very tough, especially when we're talking about ACL rehab, because it's a very, very long rehab process. Yeah. And this, I would say, you know, versus any other surgery, because the rehab is long, requires a, a lot of, um, treating of the mind. And this is almost like before I really started working with a lot of runners, like this was the diagnosis. These were the clients that I was working with that I was like, what makes my like ACL patients like different than all my other patients and even athletes, right? And yeah, you see ankle sprains and you see even other surgeries, but ACL patients, like it, it, it really messes with your mind. It's almost like if, if we're like drawing the analogy to a lot of the conversations we have on this show of like marathoners and running your first marathon, it's like messes with the mind. I think in our last episode in 203 um, with Mary, she said a mind F, right? Like it really like, and anyone who's like run a marathon or run multiple marathons, like, you know what I'm talking about, right? And that's why like mindset is one of our six steps to growing as a runner um, that yes, it, it, we need to, uh, consider the mind and pay attention to the mind and actually train the mind in order to actually grow in our running journey. But especially for ECL surgery, it is the mind. And because you, I, I feel at least, you know, most of these uh, people who have torn their ECL, they did it playing their sport that they're trying to get back to, right? So number one, you've had this traumatic injury that you had to get surgery that you are on crutches for four weeks, you were in a brace, like your knee's totally swollen, you had to shut everything down, you lost your season, whatever, you you did it in preseason, you don't even have a season. Um, so you go through all those emotions, like emotionally, mentally, everything. And then you're trying to get back to actually do the activity that you actually suffered the injury. So you have this like little PTSD, quite frankly, Right. And it's like, can I get back on the court? Can I get back on the field? And again, for the majority of people who are probably going to listen to this, like you're probably, let's say, a distance runner or a track athlete or a cross country athlete. And, you know, maybe you did tear your ACL, maybe not even running because it usually doesn't happen with running. Uh, but maybe you played a pickup game of basketball and you unfortunately tore your ACL. And now, like, you want to get back to running um, as your main sport. It is, mentally, you know, those were like the setbacks that I found very common. Um, so it, it, if, again, if you're kind of heading down this pathway, getting treatment for that is super important. Like Kat mentioned, um, working with a sports psychologist, counselor, and really working with the healthcare team that does, you know, express empathy and understands where you're coming from and is going to help coach you um, through some of those like mental struggles and barriers and set you up for success. So you can start gaining your confidence back again 
for you know, for today's conversation running, but then eventually like into the sport that you want to get back into, um, doing. So besides, I guess, referring out and getting those resources, um, and this could be some of the physical setbacks or whatever, but like, what can we do if we have a setback, um, during our return to running? Yeah. So, I guess it depends on the setback, right? Like if we're talking about physical setbacks, I think talking about load management is going to be one of the most important things for that, right? Because if we're talking about someone who is dealing with something else somewhere somewhere else in their body as a result of maybe doing too much running or maybe doing too many soccer drills or just trying to get back to it so fast that they start to feel something, um, I would say the first place is making sure we we control their volume. And so I'll use it in the aspect of running because most people listening are probably really just interested mainly with the sport of running. But that's when we have to look at your run volume, right? Like, are you doing a run walk? Have you gotten past that point of a run walk where you're doing maybe 30 minutes continuous and you start to feel something at um, 25 minutes in? Um, So figuring out exactly what is going on and when you're feeling it physically is going to be the most important way to dictate how to go about it. So again, I guess it depends because it's really going to depend on what you're feeling and when you're feeling it. Um, There is this thing called the soreness rules. If you Google it, you can find more about it. There's a set of rules based off of your symptoms, whether or not you should stay at the volume you're running at, or you should cut back to what you were doing maybe the week or two prior, or if you should just take a day or two off. But I think the first place to start is going to be load management and making sure you're doing it with a professional, I would say too, you know, like um, I have had clients where I've helped come back from a running, um, some sort of surgery and we're doing a run walk. And I think, that is really important and imperative in your rehab journey if that's where you are because you want to make sure that you're doing it safely and someone truly understands um, what's going on and when to cut back first when it's okay to stay where you're at. Um, In terms of mindset, like I said, I really, really think the best way to go about it is finding a sports psychologist, but I also love journaling and I also love having conversations with people about their body and helping them understand a little bit more about their body. So that's where the journaling comes in. You know, I have a client where she is very tough on herself. She's a freshman in high school and like when we try to explain the difference between soreness and pain, she just can't, she doesn't understand the difference. Like she wants me to tell her. And so that's tough, right? So making sure that you're journaling and being very aware of your body and what you're feeling and when you're feeling it and your emotions mentally um, is going to help a lot through that process. Because like you said, like, it's a long journey and it is one of those injuries that people always fear. Like that's usually if you ask most athletes what their most like the scariest injury that they would never want to have is is usually ACL because people know how long it takes for that recovery. So I think in the um, mindset component, 
journaling and really understanding who you are outside of of being that athlete and then you know visualization of you being back at your sport post surgery and feeling 100% are really important aspects that I think everyone should do but I that's why I think the sports psychologist would probably help um individuals really do that in a way that's specific to them that probably is I probably don't even know the like the specifics of it, but I definitely know that helps and that that's the first place to start. Oh, I love that. You know, really looking at like the mindfulness and reflecting with journaling um, on what you're feeling and the load management piece is like, yeah, key. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and really thinking about yeah, do you modify your return to run plan? And I don't know if we probably should have this conversation before, but I did just release my kind of uh, our Spark Healthy Runner like return to run um, plan and program and in which it is kind of in a progressive fashion. But I am a big fan of adding a little bit of variety within the week and like the number of reps, which basically turns to like different duration of running as opposed to running the same thing either every other day and okay, we're doing, let's say 10 minutes or 15 minutes, right. And it's going up each week. Um, so I think variety is important, um, as well. And I'll definitely link like my return to run program in the, um, show notes. And the other piece that I was thinking, like, as you were talking with setbacks is I know a lot of People, let's say when they start their return to run, maybe it was a little too aggressive for them, or maybe they were running too fast because as an athlete, they were like always used to running fast for their sport. So they thought like, oh, I can run fast. And then they get a setback of like a little more swelling in the knee or they get some pain or they feel like stiffness in the knee. Um, and then sometimes, you know, you need to address those issues, but it does go back to like the load management that you mentioned. And even not only with the running, but even the exercises you're doing. So if you are finding this and maybe you've done like three months of PT and because your health insurance benefits that your PT was like, okay, I'm going to discharge you to a home exercise program and here's your return to run plan. Like do this on your own. And then when you go back to your surgeon and they release you for sport or say you're ready to like do return to sport training, then come back. So like if you're in that gray area where you're like doing this on your own and you don't really have guidance, I, I think it's really important for you to know to modify the strength exercises that your PT gave you. And it, it doesn't need to be cookbook and cookie cutter that, oh, it says, you know, he said, I need to do this for the next three months. I'm going to do these single leg squat exercises to strengthen my quads. And you're ignoring the fact that your knee is feeling stiff. Maybe you're having swelling after your exercise sessions or your, your return to running program. Um, so yeah, modifying, right. And like, being able to make those um, decisions essentially um, that are listening to your body, but it does go back to what you spoke about on reflecting and journaling and being in tune to your body and making sure that is it muscle soreness? Uh, you know, the muscles aren't used to running because they haven't done it in a long time versus, oh, this is like knee pain. I'm getting like some kneecap pain. Um, and you know what, my knee's feeling a little puffy, right? Cause if it's feeling puffy and you're four five, six months out after surgery, it shouldn't feel that at all. 
Um, so then, you know, some modifications do need to be made. So thank you for, for sharing, uh, some of those things that you're navigating, um, with your clients. And I'm sure this is, this next question is probably one you get a lot, I would imagine. And this could even be from someone who maybe worked with the PT, they were discharged, they ran out of their health insurance, right? Like we've all seen those cases and they are kind of on their own. Um, but they, they want to like get back to faster running. So how can a runner like get their speed back after ACL surgery? Do you have any like recommendations or go-to strategies, exercises, drills, like things that you would recommend for someone that doesn't have setbacks, right? They're not having any swelling. They're not having any pain and they're looking like, Hey, okay, I want to get like my speed back now. Like I've had the surgery and now, Hey, I want, I want performance. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that the um, most important thing to realize with that specific question is I don't think it's very much different than everyone else. I think you have to be smarter about it, right? Like if you're coming out of an ACL reconstruction and you just did the rehab, you want to be aware of the fact that that is a variable, but the things that you're going to do to get faster are not necessarily going to be different than others. You just have to be smarter about it. So what, what I mean by that is we know that plyometrics is really important to improve our power output, to improve our quickness and tendon elasticity, um, to get on and off the ground as quickly as possible. Because to get faster, right, we know that as runners, we need to make sure that we're springing off the ground as, as quickly as possible. That's how we get faster. We have more force. We're producing each step as we push forward. Um, so plyometrics is going to be really important um, and retraining that the, the tendons, the nervous system, strength training, right, which we already know helps us get faster. So lifting heavy and making sure that you're constantly getting stronger um, and then speed work. Um, and that Speed work is going to be one of the last things you want to do when you're out of your rehab journey that is going to be a lot more intensity. Um, but speed work is going to be the best way to get you faster. I will say with an asterisk that you have a good base mileage and you've been running consistently beforehand. So when you do speed work, you have already ran consistently for several weeks and you have a good base mileage because when we talk about getting faster, there's several things that get us faster. And we know um, that obviously I think people probably assume if you do speed work, you'll get faster and you got to make sure you're doing it correctly and targeting the right systems. But I think less people realize that just consistently running and building a good base mileage is what's going to get you faster in the long run. Um, so when you have that consistency and a good base mileage, that's when you want to add the speed work. Um, and so those are some of the main things that I would say, um, but again, like are very similar to us as just regular runners who maybe don't have an injury or maybe don't have a history of ACL reconstruction. You just want to be a little bit smarter about it and make sure that I would say have the right professional helping you get there so that they know, okay, your history is an ACL reconstruction. Let's be smart about that and make sure that there's nothing coming out about from um, what you just dealt with in that rehab process. Yeah, guys. So yeah, what Kat's talking about is like proper progression, 
right? And really progressing in a smart way. And because you've had the surgery, it is more important, right? Than even like, yes, these are the same principles that we talk about for any runner, but given your history of having this surgery, you do need to make sure that you are doubling down on that strong foundation with strength training and the plyometrics, the jump training is super important. And yes, will make you more powerful as an athlete to increase your speed. And I love how you brought up that it's not only the speed work and the specific intervals, or if you go to the track and you do some 400 meter repeats, right? Or 800 meter repeats, like it's not only that, but doing the consistent base miles and running easy and building up the volume that you talked about before. So like weekly, you know, either time or weekly mileage um, is going to eventually get you faster. And I love that you brought that up because it's such a misconception that we see with so many runners is, you know, they say, I want to get faster and they think they need to go right to the interval. And if you do that and you're a regular runner, like you are going to put yourself more at risk for getting a running related injury. But especially after ACL surgery, it's super important to go through that progression. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And um, yeah, any other ACL like running tips that you found helpful for the you know patients you work with in your practice? Yeah, one big one that I will say that I've noticed, you know, we talked a little bit about the quad and that eccentrically controlling through that knee flexion or that knee bend. Um, but and we talked a little bit about the calf too, right? There's different calf muscles. So there's the gastrocnemius, which is the muscle that I think most people think about. That's the muscle when you just stand and do calf raises. But another one that's really important in the ACL reconstruction world and the rehab is the soleus. So that is going to be the muscle that when you are doing calf raises, when your knee is bent. And that's really um, important because it helps control your knee bend as well as your, your shin bone, your tibia, is moving forward over your ankle and foot. And so oftentimes I will find a lot of people don't work on the soleus muscle at all um, within the rehab. And so that's something that I think is really important. I've noticed tremendous difficulty in my patients when we start doing and working on that. And so I would say working in some soleus work is going to be really important. And another thing is as well is we talked about that sometimes your running form could be a little different after that ACL surgery and returning to run. So checking what that running form looks like is going to be another important thing. So if you know someone who can do a run analysis or if your PT does do run analysis, I would recommend getting one. But if not, then I would search and find someone to at least get you a baseline run analysis to figure out um, how symmetrical your form looks left versus right. Because again, one of the biggest things I see and hear is 10 years down the road, people start to get into running, you know, like we're at the age, you know, once you're an adult and you're like, I want to do something that's challenging. Everyone gets say that that's going to be um, the most important thing to make sure that people don't end up getting um, like some sort of knee pain in the future as well. Yeah, that's such an important um, point uh, that the asymmetry um, especially after this surgery, because 
you know, you are off of the knee for so long. And then like we talked about the fear of kind of, you know, starting to load the knee and put weight on it. A lot of times people do start to compensate and they don't even know they're doing it and they do have that asymmetry. So absolutely like a running gait analysis. Um, and I know you do that, which is, um, such a great service to your patients and, you know, having someone who is going to look at your running form and make sure that you have the fundamental, as I like to call it on all the clients that I see, like fundamental running movement patterns, right. And fundamentals down first before you start even building, like we talked about speed, um, so yeah, that's such an important point. And thank you for highlighting also the importance of the soleus muscle that is an often overlooked, uh, muscle that you don't think about too much and, you know, think about targeting, but it will certainly take stress off the knee by controlling the tibial advancement, um, as we're running. Uh, so yeah, thank you so much, uh, for, for sharing these tips and, if you can share, you know, kind of coming down the home stretch here, um, you know, this is kind of the final, final question I like to ask, uh, everyone and the final stretch, um, if you could change, um, one thing about the misconception about running after ACL surgery, I think that would, that would be? be, don't feel like just because you had the ACL tear or have to go through this major, major surgery that this is going to affect your ability to run where you once were beforehand and your ability to run 100%. But I will say one of the most important things you need to do in your decision-making process is find the right person to help you through that rehab in a way where it won't affect it. So it, it shouldn't affect it, but you also have to do the work and make sure that the right person is guiding you to get to where you need to be. I love it. I love it. And hopefully everyone listening to this right now, um, you were able to learn something. You took something away from this conversation and you know, you feel like, yes, you can conquer running after ACL surgery. And, um, I'm sure there are going to be many listeners, um, who heard this and really resonated honestly with your message, Kat. So where can our healthy runner yeah, community so best Yeah, so in the online space, you? I am runwithcat underscore DBT on everything. So TikTok, threads, Instagram. I would say I'm the most active on Instagram. So if you ever want to shoot me a DM or have any more questions about anything, for sure, reach out to me on there. You can also tune into the Run With Cat show as well on all major podcast platforms. And then in terms of reaching out, if you're maybe interested about run coaching or um, you're in the North Jersey area and looking for some rehab and you tore your ACL or have something else you're dealing with, um, you can just reach out to my email, which is Campbell at gmail.com. And I'll be sure to definitely put all of those links in the show notes so you guys can um, get that. And yeah, Kat, thank you so much for coming on the show to share your expertise and really educating fun. And thank you guys for listening, right? Whether you heard this um, during a run, a car ride, or watch the video on our Spark Healthy Runner YouTube channel, um, I greatly appreciate it. And if you enjoyed it, the only thing I ask is like copy the link wherever you listen to it and share it with someone you know who is going to undergo ACL surgery, currently uh, is recovering from ACL surgery, or thinks that they can't run after their ACL surgery. 
um, it will certainly help them. Um, and as always, let's maintain a strong mind, strong body, and let's just keep on running. Until next time. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Healthy Runner podcast, where we help you get stronger, run faster, and enjoy lifelong injury-free running. If you found this content valuable, here's five ways we can help you grow as a runner for free. One, grab a free copy of our six steps to growing as a runner framework at learn.sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash grow. Two, follow our Instagram page at sparkhealthyrunner. Three, join our free group by searching Healthy Runner in Facebook. Four, subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash spark healthy runner five leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more experts in the running field and bring those lessons and trainings back here right to you don't forget hit the subscribe button on apple podcast or the follow button on spotify so you don't miss the next episode of healthy runner so you can maintain a strong mind a strong body and just keep running Lastly, if you've been struggling with the constant injury cycle, not eating the right foods for running, or not getting faster as a runner, and you are ready to invest in becoming a lifelong injury-free runner, head to sparkhealthyrunner.com forward slash coaching to apply for a one-on-one signature coaching program. Thank you again. I really, truly mean it from the bottom of my heart that I appreciate you for listening and sharing this podcast with a running friend who can use the help. Now go and crush your run today. See you next week.